This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. From Lake Michigan to the Mississippi and every river, lake, and field in between, let's talk everything outdoors. Yeah, it's time to hop on the crazy train. Welcome to the Midwestern Shooter Supply Cutting Edge Outdoors, presented by Coleman Insect Repellents. Fasten your seatbelts for a wild ride through Wisconsin's outdoors. Only on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. All aboard! <laughs> You're on the crazy train with the Midwestern Shooter Supplies Cutting Edge Outdoors. It is now time for the second hour of the Midwestern Shooter Supplies Cutting Edge Outdoors with Danny Bush and me, Tommy the True Neubauer, Christian Jaskulski on the board. And our special guest today in the studio is pro, pro bass angler Ron Johnson from all the way from Arizona, IA. And uh, if you've got any questions for him, 799-1250 is the phone number. So... Uh, you know, or you can email us live at ceoguys at yahoo.com. I better check to see if anybody. Oh, we do have a oh, We got a live one. We, we got, got an a, email, we got Ron. One. Got we a got a one. couple hey. of them. This one comes from John. It says, guys, why is nobody talking about the fish die-off? The DNR trying to sweep it under the rug? Most sheephead, but other fish are involved also. Uh, fish started to show up April 24th. Do you think all the people fishing now go home? and disinfect their boats, I think we could be in big trouble. That's from John in West Dallas. Uh, there have been some fish die-offs on um, uh, Lake Monona as well. There's uh, crappies and bluegills. Some bass are being affected too. But, uh, yeah, I did hear about that on Winnebago, uh, mostly sheephead. Now, we don't know if it's the viral hemorrhagic septicemia or not. The yeah, VHS. that's right. I did read something about it, and uh, some people... I guess they were trying to get an exact idea what it was. I think didn't the DNR say it might be the VH, but S, but or whatever it is. But then you guys uh, get the people, blue, green but algae? people, but people didn't think that that was it. They because they didn't see the scars on the side of them, so they were suspicious of the DNR's diagnoses. We just had a really big fish kill this spring in uh, Arizona as well. Wiped out three of our lakes. It's called really? a, a blue green algae. Oh, yeah. It's one of the several uh, algaes that are actually a bad toxic algae. It doesn't even change the water. It, it, you'd expect it to look like a, a green pea soup. But yeah. the water doesn't change at all. It's in the you top can't 10. See it. yeah. You can't see it. It's the top 15, Was that, 10, 15 feet. It sticks to their gills and suffocates them. Because I had heard that the big giant bass on Canyon Lake were dying. We've lost them on Canyon Lake, Apache Lake, uh, and it trickled down in a swirl. And they tried to, they're all reservoirs connected by a system of dams. Right. So they tried to flush it out. The problem with it is, is when these dams are 100 feet deep, that water is kind of coming from the lower part of the dam, not the top. And most of the blue-green algae, or the golden algae, as they say, sits in the top 10 to 15 feet of the water column. So you usually see your shad die first. Mm -hmm. And uh, early spring, as those fish start moving shallower in those shallower waters, they get infected, uh, they can't breathe. And we were seeing, 
I'm not kidding you, it was pretty sad, but eight, ten, ten-pound bass everywhere because we grow some pretty big fish out there. As you know, Mark Horton came out, and we, we loaded up on some eight to ten-pounders. So I did crazy. a little research when I heard that and went online and did hear that there are periodically big bass kill-offs. Correct. And it's kind of like a... Well, we had a one thing back, that periodically can happen, and, and random. It doesn't. It didn't happen to all the lakes. It has a, something to do with the temperatures and the nutrient level, and as it warms up, nobody can really quite figure it out. And as as you had just said a minute ago, sometimes we wonder if the the game and fish sweeps it under the rug because nobody ever seems to have an answer for as to why it right. happens and how right. do you prevent it. Um, right. It could just be one of those natural phenomenons that right. takes well, place because nature's it does. way of taking care of things. And it happens throughout the country. And when it hit us uh, about 12 years ago, we didn't get to fish three of our top lakes for about three years. So are you going to be switching gears to some different lakes then? I had to, actually. Uh, it mm. limited my, uh, as I'm a full-time guide, as you know, in the off-season, uh, with a lot of Wisconsin visitors coming out there, we had to start driving two hours away just to guide every day to different lakes that weren't affected. Yeah, it's not like you guys got a lot of big lakes in no, Arizona. Five, <laughs> five or six lakes within two yeah. to three hours. I mean, and then after that, you know, you're you're kind of uh, SOL. Well, wow. you said it's mostly the sheep's head on Winnebago. Uh, that... That's what uh, that's what I had heard, and that's what uh, uh, the guy said. Yeah, and then oh, by the way, we got another email from Paul. A regular listener, thank you, Paul. It's for the Cabela's Masters Walleye Circuit, but that doesn't tell me about the Walleye Weekend up on Winnebago, which always takes place in June. Let me Google that. So, no, you don't have to Google it now. I got, I, a, I got plenty of time to I find got this out. This Milwaukee PC right in front of me. So anyway, yeah, yeah, you got the PC there. Now, uh, there was something I wanted to talk to Ron about. Ron Johnson from Arizona, pro angler. Sponsored by Baitmate, of course. And, uh, Ron, you know, a lot of people, there's a lot of young people out there who think it's the glimmer, the glamour, whatever, of being a pro bass fisherman or pro any kind of fisherman, but especially pro bass fisherman. But it's not all grins all the time. It's like I was thinking of you with your expense. You know, you've got an expensive truck, an expensive boat rig, you know, and you're traveling, staying at motels, I would imagine, all over the place. And... You have to be really cognizant of your, of your rig. You know that somebody doesn't wreck it or steal anything from it, or whatever. And you're at all these different places. And even when you got to stop, to let's say get lunch at a fast food restaurant, where do you where do you park this thing? You know, I mean, you're always cognizant of that that you got this thing on the back of the boat because it's with you wherever you go. You know, isn't it? Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. That's the only way I can get places. I can't throw it in a suitcase. Quite right. Yet. Yeah. I figure that part out. But uh, yeah, it's it's really not. I mean, as far as the traveling part, that's and taking the boat around, it's no different than anybody else going anywhere locally. You know, you just obviously got to be aware of your surroundings, where you park your rig. I always lock it up and leave a locker bar on when I'm traveling. But um, you know, I keep it in view. And there's times, mm-hmm. you know, when I'm traveling, I'll I'll pull into a truck stop for three, four hours for a nap. I'll park alongside the truckers. You know, I usually feel kind of safe there. You know, mm-hmm. they're usually got their rigs run in a well-lit area, and I'll just sleep in my truck for three, four hours. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, the the life on the road, um, you know, I run to so many young kids, they think that it's the greatest life. And for me it is because, sure. one, obviously I'm passionate about it, and mm-hmm. I think anybody, if you can follow your dreams, do what makes you happy, regardless of what the outcome is, you know, um, you know, do what makes you happy, and, and that's most important. But, you know, all these kids nowadays, they grow up in the way that it's glorified in magazines and on television. They think, man, all these guys got to do is go fishing. I want to get paid to go fishing as the – it's uh, the number one misnomer that these these uh, these poor little kids, you know, happen to uh, think is reality out there. And little did they know that, 
um, you know, most of your work comes off the water. And life on the road, there's a lot you sacrifices. You know, being away from home, I'm gone for five months away from my wife. Thank God I have a very independent, supportive wife. But, um, you know, she takes care of the house and, and does a lot of things back home when I'm on the road. But you're living on the road, different hotels, different houses you're renting, you know, mm-hmm. your, your your truck stops, you know, the way that you eat on the road. But you're also uh, spending a lot of time doing different appearances, working for sponsors. So right. when I'm on the right. road, uh, when I was on the road, you know, I left a couple weeks ago from Arizona. I mean, yeah, the expenses are huge. You have to budget yourself. Um, you know, you're making appearances along the way. Um, there's just so many different things. You're, I'm writing articles, you know, in the evening. So I'm practicing during the day, and then I have to write articles that I have to mm-hmm. submit, you know, for different different blogs and, um, you know, different magazines in the evenings. And it's it's a lot of work. And uh, that's is. the side that people don't think. Plus, you got to, you know, you got to work very hard for sponsors and negotiating your contracts. And there's right. never and there's never a dull moment. And not all the people that not all the guys who are fishing in the tournaments have sponsors like you. You know, you're fortunate in that regard. Because how many guys you know that are sleeping in their trucks? Well, a lot yeah. of them do. Um, <laughs> you, know? you know, it seems like this yeah. day and age, the way things are, it's a, become a very young man sport. And mm-hmm. I always say there's so many people out there that, that probably have more talent than I do, and I know that they do. And never have an opportunity to do it because of the financial burden and expense, or they have families and they can't get out there and pursue the dream. But even when you're all in, um, you know, a lot of the guys that do this for a living, they own their own businesses, mm-hmm. you know, so they have that freedom to be able to leave and the financial freedom because you're going to put way more into this in an expense and you're more than likely ever going to get out of it. There's a very few uh, people that one get to actually live out this reality mm-hmm. of a professional uh, bass fisherman's life or a professional walleye tour right, angler. It's right. it's a it's a crazy crazy lifestyle. Yeah. I mean, I left a, a secure job in finance. You know, I always guided and fished tournaments, but you know, I never left a secure job in finance until my sponsorship endorsements were able to. You know, I was able to live completely off of that, whether I made a dime or not. You know, mm-hmm. and that's the reality of it because you're going to spend way more in tournaments and fishing than you're you're than most people are ever going to get out of it. So you better make sure you have good financial support. And as whether it's golf, whether it's any other professional sport, um, you know, a lot of guys make more money in their endorsements than they do actual winning. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, for years I've always said, you know, in order to be a pro bass guy like yourself, that it takes time and money. Some guys have the time, but they don't have the money for it. And right. some guys have the money for it, but they don't have the time because they're busy making the money. You know, I mean... So it's one of those things, and and you are fortunate that your wife, you know, blessed, yes, you know, yes, blessed. that 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 she puts up with you. <laughs> well, <laughs> amen. And, so yeah, I, I have a godsend of a wife. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm very lucky. You know, we don't have children though. That's another yeah. thing. You throw that in the mix, and uh, I've seen it break a lot of homes. You know, you're away from home home quite a bit, mm-hmm. and. Um, yeah, you better be all in and have a support system, or from that point on, it's not worth it. As much as I love fishing, I mean, I I live and breathe it every single day. Um, if I didn't have the support of my wife, if I had to make a choice, which she'll never make me make, I, I would probably opt out of fishing. You know? Right. I would right. never sacrifice right. my uh, my home life for it. You know, it's funny I, when you said there are guys who are, like, that you consider that might be better than you at, at angling, okay? Mm-hmm. And it reminds me of a story, this one of my, uh, you know, friends, who I haven't seen in years now, you know, kind of went different ways and all that. But he came up to me at a sports show one time and said, you know, Tom, why, why do you have, you know, you're, you're, you're on this TV show, you're on the radio, you're doing this, you're doing that. He says, I'm just as good as you. And his name was Mike. And I said, Mike, you're not just as good as me. You're better than me. <laughs> I says, you're a terrific angler. I said, but would you be willing to quit your job and, and go after it full time? 
I mean, and, and call these places and write letters and talk to them and have people tell you no constantly and then go back constantly. again a month later, you know, and ask them the same stuff. You know, I mean, you I mean, if you want to put the time and the effort into it, you know, I mean, there's a there's a direct correlation to be being a good angler and a good communicator, being a good business person like you are, Ron. You got to be both. You got to be a good angler and a good uh, yeah. If you're looking for job person. security, this isn't the no. This that isn't ain't the route. that. You, no, it's a constant hustle. Yeah. You know, not only the pressures you have to compete on the water and represent sponsors and work hard, right. but even when you do all that, man, you could have oh, it could they, switch they, in a heartbeat from year to year. They can pull out for whatever reason. Oh yeah, um, I remember years ago. I was. Do you remember? Uh, uh, shoot, what uh, Pose Lures? Pose, yeah, the yeah, wood ones? of course. All right, I was sponsored by them. I I was in their their brochure and everything. You know. And then they sold the Yakima Bait Company. Yeah, is it pronounced Yakima? Yakima. Yakima. All right, they were sold, right? Well, I wasn't sponsored anymore. They didn't want the new company. Didn't want me. They didn't know me. You and know, that's one of the yeah, biggest, boom, biggest gone. things, the biggest problems you have is you and I, for example, Tom. If I'm working with your company, you and I have a good relationship, great sponsorship. Right. You're out. Dan comes in as the new marketing guy. Doesn't know you from Adam. Right. And he has a whole different strategy and idea, and doesn't want anything to do with what Tom Newbauer did. Right. He's going to create his own and legacy he's got, and marketing. Got his so own people gone. that he knows. Yes. That he wants to bring in. Oh, it is yeah. a whole, it's a whole you know world. Yeah. It is. It sometimes. is. It is. Yeah. Hustle. Yeah, Jazz is telling us we got to go to a commercial. Hold break. up those three fingers. Is that three? Three? <laughs> three? What's that? What's that? Three what you're making me look. Why are you guys making me look like the bad guy? Yeah, he's, like, he's Jazz the bad is making guy. us go on a break. Rolling in the fun. <laughs> I see a middle finger. It means we have one minute left. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's not what that but means. But you know what? When we come back, maybe you can give our uh, audience some tips and tricks and catching more bass, maybe in our area lakes. All right? Absolutely. All right. We'll be back with more with Danny Bush, me, Tommy the True Newbauer. Our special guest, Ron Johnson, all the way from Arizona. And Jazz will take your phone calls at 799-1250. All right. 99. Welcome back to the Midwestern Shooter Supply Cutting Edge Outdoors. And on the line, who do we have? Christian. Kevin over in Maple Ridge, hey. one of our favorites. Yes. Kevin, good morning hey, there, Kevin. buddy. Good morning, Tom. Good morning. How hey. are you today? Well, my voice is a little deeper, isn't it? Why is that? Got a cold. Got oh, a call. Well. Sorry to hear that, Kevin. Um, I heard uh, you got you got a question for us or something. Yeah. Jazz said. Yes, I do. For okay. Ron Johnson, the pro bass angler. Good morning, Ronnie. Good morning, Kevin. <laughs> How you doing on this Saturday morning? Wonderful. You Couldn't be better. Like you uh, you looked like you did something Friday night, didn't you? He's too he's too old to go out on Friday I night. Now. Yeah, I don't Come twist him off, you buddy. <laughs> Come on now, you advertise for what's that beer? Uh, no, no. Now you're thinking of Ron Johnson, oh, the senator. You're, you're thinking of Ron Johnson, the <laughs> senator. Oh, no, not him. No. He's no, usually you know. out Friday nights. Yeah. Not this guy. I, I don't was drink. out with him last night. Um, oh, anyway. Go ahead. Um, Question about walleye. Yeah, walleye. Canadian walleye. I've had them. Are they good to eat? Okay. So what do you think? So <laughs> have you had them? Here's the thing. I personally think Canadian walleye 
and United States walleye are great. We're from the same North American walleye are great. The, those the Chinese walleyes, however, oh, no, the those cheap Chinese no. knockoff walleyes are the ones no. I don't like, Kevin. Oh no, no, those are. I never heard of Chinese. or the, or the German they, know, They're stealing our technology. They're English stealing walleye. our walleye. Well, they, they don't <laughs> they, Japanese walleye. Hey, Kevin, Korean do you know walleye. what they? Do you know what they call walleyes in Europe? And they're like twice as big as our wallet. We know. know. No, Put I your know. arm down. You're losing <laughs> friends over there, buddy. I know. I so, know. You me, too. Tell me, oh. Tom. Tell me, Dan. I'm asking you. I know. You don't know. I don't bonehead. know. Hey, I'll tell you what. <laughs> I wasn't calling you bonehead. Hey, Danny. <laughs> um, Kevin. Oh, never mind. Danny Bush. What do they? What was the question? Xander. They call him Xander. And they Xander? get huge. They get over 20-some pounds. Drago was showing me a picture of of a, one of them caught in Europe. 30-pounders, yeah. Monster. Yeah. yeah. So one of these days, I'm going, when I retire, Kevin, I'm heading to Wa. I'm heading to uh, uh, Sweet, uh, Switzerland, wherever, Switzerland. and I'm going to go, uh, I might hit Amsterdam, too, for a night, hey, and I'm going to uh, go Xander fishing. <laughs> And their perch out there are five and six pounds. I had a guy from Italy and Germany out there in Arizona with me, and he says, yeah, we catch big yellow perch bass. I said, oh, yeah, what do you use, minnows and wigglers and stuff? He looked at me, I was crazy. Suckers. Spinner baits. And I said, what? He showed me pictures of them, and he's holding them up like bass or five, six-pound yellow perch. And speaking of perch, Richard, do you ever see a Nile perch? It looks like our perch. Who's Richard? You're calling Richard. You call him Richard. Richard. You call Richard? Kevin. You're calling Kevin. me? Well, he's calling Whoa. Kevin Richard. Kevin Richard. No, I was calling Kevin Richard. Oh, oh Kevin my Richard. Oh, no, I think oh, Kevin God. Richard is he with the stones. Kevin. What the hell's going on? Hey. You know, Kevin. I think we've seen two <laughs> signs of stroke so Jeez. far. <laughs> Kevin. Um, Kevin, I got to tell you this. If these guys would be quiet. The Nile perch is like yeah. five, six feet long. <laughs> Really? And it looks like a regular perch. It's but it's five six. It, they get up to like a couple hundred pounds. Yeah. A Nile perch. So there's perch all over the world, Kevin. Tom, can I say something? Go ahead. <laughs> I think that you and Danny are the best. But you guys should broadcast from Bass's Bay. Bass's Bay, a live broadcast. Budget yeah. cuts. Oh, well, Jazz over here says they've had some budget cuts. <laughs> <laughs> That's why they got us in here. All right. It is hot. All right, All right Kevin, Kevin, we got to go. We got to run, right, Kevin. God bless. Have a good Thanks weekend, so buddy. Hope you All feel right. better. Thanks, Kevin. Bye. And who else you got, Jazz? I did have somebody else, oh, but it we looks were... like hopefully he calls back. We were just going to go to him. Gosh, hopefully yeah. he it. calls back. 799 Yep. Sorry, we got kind of long. Tom had to get on those Nile perch story, and yeah. we got a little long-winded there. Yeah, and then uh, and then Louie over here was talking. I mean, Tom. Louis. I mean, Tom. And then, and then Richard got here. <laughs> I so tell Richard to get out of here. You know, it's funny. I, Is he I like call your my kid. <laughs> you should hear what I call my boys. You know, I got three boys, Ron. And, and let's say the... The one who's named Chris, I'll call him Nick sometimes. The one Andy, I'll call him Chris, or I'll I'll, I'll call him different names, you know. <laughs> well, good thing you're consistent in that. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, <laughs> he, he called me Dan last time. Yeah, yeah I called okay. you Dan. Well, that's your brother's well, we name. We both got the same bait mate hats on. <laughs> All right. Okay, okay. Stop making fun of I'm me. I'm sorry, now. Tom. Now that's you know right. how it feels. Now, 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 Ron Johnson is going to tell us how our listeners can catch more smallmouth and largemouth bass on area lakes. You know what? Uh, right now is probably one of the best best times of the year to get out, really, for some great action. As you know, all these 
especially from the bass, uh, no matter whether you're north, south, you know, when that water starts getting in the mid-50s to 60s, um, you know, those fish are obviously coming up. They're looking to spawn, they're roaming, and they're hungry. So uh, the warmer that water gets, especially um, in this next 30 days or so, I think is some of the best fishing in the Wisconsin region. And uh, one of the my favorite baits ultimately to go after them is a jerk bait. You know, mm-hmm. you can cover a lot of water quickly, um, you know, with that, that jerk and pause technique, a little bit now, colder, you can pause Now, when you say jerkbait, musky anglers are thinking of a, uh, a lure that does not have a lip on it, but the, your jerkbait has got a lip on it. Yes. So yeah. it's, it's kind of like a minnow imitating jerkbait? Correct. In, yeah, okay. Yep, it's a minnow. Any type of minnow imitating jerkbaits work really good this time. You know, obviously guys are going to throw uh, crankbaits, which work really well, paddle tail minnows. Um, but if I can take advantage of some of the fast action and cover water quickly to locate, uh, especially smallmouth and largemouth bass right now in this, in this pre-spawn area, that's what I'm going to be doing. And then, um, you know, when they start moving up on the beds, you know, you can, you can have a little bit of fun with them, make sure you catch a release, but you know, the sight fishing is always a good thing and slow down with some soft plastics. But you know, if I had, uh, two baits to go at them, I probably would have a uh, crankbait, maybe a jig on something like that mm-hmm. right now. You know, uh, and it pretty much is something universal you can use around the country. You know, I, I personally don't like fishing to fish on beds. Years ago I did, you know, but, uh, you know, in the last, I don't know, 10 years or so, it's kind of like, ah, I'll just leave those ones alone. I'll find a lake where the fish are pre-spawn or post-spawn. You know, I'll leave the ones on the beds alone because we do have great, you know, bass fishery here in this state. Northern Wisconsin, Smallies, has just exploded over the years. It's like, it's probably awesome. All the lakes up there have got them. But I got to disagree with you just a little bit. Uh-oh. What I don't Uh-oh. like about spring fishing is because you you get, you know, it'll be a nice day, water's warm enough, <laughs> fish are coming in pre-spawn, you know, you're catching them on the flats, the adjacent spawning areas, you know, and all of a sudden we gets cold overnight and you go back there and say, where, where are the fish? Where do they go now? You know, they're moving, you know, in and out. i where they went. They pulled yeah. off to the, the closest break yeah, to the shallow they, water. To, exactly. They pulled off to the break, but sometimes you, they, sometimes you get locked jaw. You know what I like? My favorite time of year is after they've spawned and they've gone into their summer pattern, because then, I mean, tell me if you agree with me or not that when they're in their summer pattern, you know where they're going to be. I mean, you fish docks, right? Well, yeah. So I mean, you know they're going to be on their docks. You know they're going to be in weeds. You know they're going to be on deep weed line banks, you know, and that in structure areas, you know. But it seems like you got to, I, for me at least, I've got a better feel once after they spawn and they've gone into their summer pattern. Uh, spring bass fishing, I'm always looking for spree pre-spawners, you know. It seems like those are the easier ones to pick off, and and post spawners, you know. Well, Tom, the, but, I peri- mean, I'm the just period saying, you're referring to is what they call, if you look at the in fisherman fish calendar, the summer peak is, and pretty much that's for well, like most fish, muskies, everything. Yeah. All of a sudden, they get more like spring musky fishing yeah. is highly unpredictable. Yeah, right exactly. Now. But once they're dialed in in the summer pattern, you know where to go. Right. <laughs> it's as right. simple yeah, as that. Yeah. I, I don't really I mean, have you know a, I mean? Yeah, I don't really have a actual favorite time of the year because yeah. I enjoy as the uh, the techniques All and, year uh, long. and throughout the seasons how yeah. things change. I yeah. mean, I love a top water like anybody. I love the mm. jig fish. I love it. And um I like the different seasons. I like how fish uh, stage differently. And you're right. I mean, summer is good. I'm not going to debate whether or not spring or summer is my favorite because I like them all. Right, but right. in the summer, that's a whole different kind of fish. I mean, now you're right. Once they're done with the spawn and the water temperature gets warm, fish are usually really active early. Then mm-hmm. they get more predictable where they're going to go to shade or they're going to go into the weeds mm-hmm. or they're going to go deeper where water is right. cooler. 
Um, but kind of like then, Buck, hey, kind of like Buck Perry once said, you'll find them either shallow, deep, or somewhere in between. Somewhere in between. <laughs> hey, uh, Ron was talking anyway, about. Jerk I'm sorry, baits. Ron. I no, no, interrupted no. you. Ron was talking about jerk baits before, and my brother Tim recently uh, saw Al Lindner somewhere, and he had Al Lindner sign his husky jerk, mm-hmm. which he caught some walleyes with me on the other yeah. night. But then he put took it off. He was scared. He didn't want to lose his Al Lindner autographed husky jerk. But he said when Al was signing the husky jerk, and our buddy Mark Horton will relate to this. He spotted in my brother's tackle box a pink X-Wrap, which is mm-hmm. a jerk bait. Right. Al got all excited when he saw that bait and said, that is a great bait. Pink. Do you ever use pink much? Yeah. As a matter of fact, I think last spring when I was here, right, um, Dan, you, I... Oh. I, well, it was me, August you were here. No, I was here in uh, June. I did a show here, and we went oh, okay. right up after the show. Mm-hmm. Okay. And we went up into the Bay Area, and we brought your brother Tim along, which, funny, I ran into him in the gas station, and he said, remember the... He was in my way at the cooler. I didn't hear that. You remember, and I, he, your brother was standing right next to me. He met us up at the quick trip up there somewhere off the freeway, and he was standing right next to me. And I, I said, excuse me, reach in the cooler. And he said, hi. And I just went back to the line to pay for my stuff. And then he got in behind me, and he had a beard, and I didn't even recognize him. Oh, that's right. Remember, yeah. Tell mm-hmm. But anyway, uh, we caught him almost all of them on jerk baits up there. Yeah, we did. And we it did. was windy, and uh, all three of us. And as a matter of fact, I think your brother, Tim, or you were throwing a, a pink X-Wrap. Pink X wrap mm-hmm. and, and a clown and a yep. clown. And yep. I was throwing one. Uh, uh, I was throwing a Yozuri and a Lucky Craft, kind of in a ghost middle. What's that? Ex- What's that expensive one I just bought? I emailed you. The Lucky Craft. Is that a Lucky Craft something yeah. ten? Yeah, the Vision one. Oh, the Mega Bass. The Mega Bass. Yeah, and that's, that's supposed to be the hot expensive for twenty five bucks. Holy I moly! I got a twenty five dollar yeah. oh. bait. You don't want a pike or a muskie to chop too many of those off, and that's the unfortunate thing and you guys will have to deal with up here in the Midwest. We don't have that out in uh, yeah, the Yeah, you don't have that problem. Holy no. moly. Well, I bad. would not use that in the Mink River then because we caught a lot of pike in the Mink River. But oh, out wow. on the bay, on those reefs, no pike You're pretty out there. good. Yeah, We're I've good, never yeah. caught one out there. But, yeah, jerkbait is an awesome, awesome yeah. year-round bait. Yeah, it is, without a doubt. Um, you ever use pink ones? <laughs> yeah, smallmouth small love, for yeah, whatever you know, reason, pink is chartreuse. I, I hate was, it. I was watching a show, uh, a Linder show, uh, Angling, what's it called? Angling Edge. Angling Edge. Yeah. And he was talking about pink, how he liked pink, you know? And and, and uh, that's a, this was, I don't know, last year, I think. And this is the first time I'm seeing pink? Really? Pink? You know? They use bubble gum a lot yeah, of times, too, with bub- the soft plastics. Sure, the smallmouth sure. love them. Ned rig, yeah. a small little three-inch yeah. uh, bubble gum on the back of a Ned rig, and yeah. the, the small, smallmouth love it. Go figure. I got eh? news or for you, it. Guapo. Pink yes. for muskies, too. Really? Yes. Get you wonder, you wonder what color the fish actually see that see... as, though, right? What? You know, since they don't see what, color, yeah, you, you wonder what color that pink know. actually yeah. comes off to the fish. You never know. It's just different hues. I Correct, don't know if it's yeah. colors, it's light or whatever. Who? But sometimes color does make a difference. It sometimes and Tom, it does. when you're watching that angling edge, I want you to stick with it when he gets to the Bible part at the end. No more turning that off. You <laughs> I, need that, I, Bob. I never turn that off. As a matter of fact, I enjoy that part. I do, too. I Me do, too. too. I enjoy that part. Sometimes he gets confusing. But I enjoy it. We yes. need more of that in nowadays Nowadays, yeah. anyway. Yeah. Positive message, good Christian man. Exactly. So. We'll be right back with more of the Midwestern Shooter Supplies Cutting Edge Outdoors with our special guest, Ron Johnson from Arizona, the Pro Bass Angler. You can catch us on both 1250 AM or 105.7 FM, The Fan.
Welcome back to the Midwestern Shooter Supply Cutting Edge Outdoors. Thanks for listening. Hey, before I forget, Tom, I want to thank the men in blue out there. I was going to mention to that few people. I want to thank the red, the first responders, the firefighters. I got simple advice for people out there. With the police officer says, stop. Stop. If he says, raise your hands, raise, raise your, your hands. hands. <laughs> if he's, yeah. Are you talking about and just simply if we're complying? Talking simply following instructions Yes. will have a whole lot less And you'll have problem. no trouble. Don't cuss them yeah. out. Yeah. And you'll, you won't but, have problems. May you know, I make a boys in blue shout out what, real quick? My brother is now a Nozaki County <coughs> Sheriff Deputy. Oh, awesome. Congratulations well, to Matt. Down. I'm going to cool. drop that next time I go speeding through Ozaki <laughs> yeah. County there. I don't think oh, he'll stop you for that. Oh, and no. Danny, you but forgot somebody. They got somebody. a hard job. They you really know, do. And so I... Yeah. You know who you forgot, though? We mentioned it last week while you were gone, or the week before, whenever it was. The welders of the world? No, the detectives. They don't wear blue. They got suits. Oh, the detectives. <laughs> they wear suits and ties. They don't wear blue. Hey, did I ever Unless t- it's a blue suit. Ever tell I you guess. my detective story? No, but I was going to finish up something real quick okay, with go Ron. Ahead. I just wanted to finish up. Finish Ron, up. Oh, okay. You know, some of the fun stuff. What do you got there, Richard? You know, some of the fun stuff <laughs> that you folks don't get to hear, you know, is the conversation during the commercial breaks. Ron and I, were we were talking about Okachi Lake and some of the stuff there, but I didn't get to finish because we were coming back on a year, and I was just going to say that those crappies, how they can move in and out so fast. We were back in Stumpy Bay talking to a landowner. He's fixing something on his dock, and we, we're not catching any crappies back there, which we usually do, right, in spring. And, and he says, oh, no, the last warm spell a week and a half ago, he says, oh, that shoreline was loaded with boats. They were catching crappies like crazy. Then the crappies left. <laughs> so they were like in and out in three, four days, and that, that was something? it. And when we were there, we were a little late. We were a week late. Yeah, so, timing's everything. It is. It is. Now, okay, you're gonna, Danny, tell us. I forgot what that one oh, was. Come Let's on. go to Tom. <laughs> Let me tell you Detective the story. story. Let come me tell on. you the story about Ron. Oh, oh boy! And he lost the monster muskie. Okay, let's go to that story. Gotta go back to that one. Huh? Yeah, we uh, It was an August day, Tom. A day just like today, except this is May. And anyway, it was August. It was a rainy day, and Ron well, it was came, just reminiscent of today. Yes, it Gloomy, was. light rain, said, drizzle. Jay yeah. just like he came up from Arizona, and I'd been trolling on Pewaukee. Steve Milliot and I had been out there slamming a bunch of muskies. Of course, Jim Dembeck was out there catching his usual thousands, and uh, it was like the second week of August. Water temp had got got down to about low 70s, 74, something like that. And so I said to Ron, I said, you know what? I'm getting them trolling. I said, but, you know, it's cooling off a little bit. Let's try fishing, casting for a little bit. So we started casting. Which I prefer anyway. I'm not a troller. Right. So right away, right away. Of course, your brother Dan is an expert troller. (laughs) Well, he's obviously (laughs) a trolling expert. He don't like to do anything. But he don't like to move too much. So anyway... (laughs) He doesn't we, like to try to grab a sandwich when it's moving either. I hope he's not listening. So anyway, <laughs> we're casting, is. and Ron, as usual, keeps going, oh, got one, oh, had one, and he comes back with weeds on his uh-huh, He ain't hooking sure. nothing. Exaggeration. And then next time I look, he, and there's a 36-inch muskie behind his bait, and I'm thinking to myself, I didn't say it, Ron, but I thought, well, maybe, maybe he is actually getting a nip here and there, not just weeds. <laughs> so a little bit later, he goes, got one. And I look over there. I don't see any splashing, no nothing. His rod's kind of bent. And I'm like, I wind in quick. I look back. I go, it is bent. I said, Ron, have you, have you got him? He goes, it's really big. And so then I grab the net and I look back and I still don't see anything. I nothing said, Ron, was moving, really. Ron, have you, have you, I thought he was snagging on the bottom. I said, Ron, have you got a fish? He goes, it's really big. 
So finally, a third time, I said to him, Ron, if, if, if you got it, he goes, it's really, really big. <laughs> and now I see the line going to the back of my little aluminum boat. And it goes around, and then he brings it up alongside the boat. And you when the, set the net back down at And this when point. the thing, no, I had it in my hands. So then when, when, I, when we see <laughs> well, the thing go cruise by the boat like a, like a cruising you Trident said, submarine. Cry. You said no. SS Minnow. No, you went. All he did was he goes, <gasps> he gasped. Ron gasped, yeah. Yeah, and it oh, was shoot. like a 50-inch class muskie, and it cruises right by the front of the boat. Now it's cruising slowly because it doesn't really know it's hooked. It had mm-hmm. the windows bucktail kind of right in the corner, and so the rod was steady. But you know, Tom, like when a big fish kind of is just not really nervous, it's just cruising yeah. like it didn't even know. And uh, and Ron was trying to you know let it take drag. He wasn't putting the sticks to it, trying to horse it, and the thing went around to the front of the boat, and Ron turned them to go so it didn't go under the front by the trolling motor. And just then, I swung the net, and I would have had one shot at him, but it got caught. The bottom of the net got caught on the top of the trolling motor. Therefore, I always mm. keep my hand on the bottom of the net by the handle okay, yep. before I net a fish now, so that will never happen again. And I would have had a crack at him, but then the fish realized it was in trouble, and it took off like a streak, come leaping up out of the air, shaking its head. It would have been a great video. And that Wendell's bucktail went sailing. The oh. fish hit the hit the water. And Ron, that's what Ron said. He oh. was just like, he couldn't, he just sat. He didn't say nothing. He was so depressed. So I said, that's all right. We'll I'm get another one. listening to it again. A little bit later, we're casting, right? We didn't and say I got anything, my back though, turned. I got my back turned. He goes, I got one. And I turned around, and he had about a, I don't know, a 38-inch muskie, had hit his bucktail right at the bait he didn't set the hook right at the boat yeah. he didn't do right he didn't do boat. yeah at the boat he didn't set the hook he didn't do anything he just depressed said i got one <laughs> <laughs> and like he almost deliberately just shook it off he didn't care anymore after he'd seen that oh. big fish and that went on well, to be uh that oh, went on we, we, we had a great like day six, later six or six of those and you got a big walleye and we had a good day had a good wow. day. we got to go to break now but that was yeah. the beginning of the story all right. Well, we'll be right back, folks. Stay tuned for more with uh, Ron Johnson, pro bass angler from Arizona, Danny Bush, me, Tommy the True Neubauer, and Christian Jaskulski on the boards. And Richard. And Richard. <laughs> now. It's the final Welcome back to the Midwestern Shooter Supplies. Cutting edge outdoors. I'm Dan Bush, single straight white wealthy landowner from Douglas County, <laughs> along with Ron, pro bass fisherman from uh, McGuanago, yeah, Arizona. Yeah, McGuanago, yep. Wisconsin. And uh, Tommy, the true Newbauer, pro bass fisherman. Not anymore. From the east side of Milwaukee. Huh? The, where? <laughs> where did you go? No. Oh, south side of Milwaukee. No. Got a? You know, no. I live in uh, Wauwatosa. Oh. From the Wauwatosa area, Tom Newbauer, Jeez. welcome. Did you grow I'm up in wealthy... Wauwatosa? No. I grew up on 34th and Center. Yeah. East Milwaukee. side of Milwaukee. No, that's not the east side. That's not the east side. Isn't that the east side? <laughs> east side. That's, like, that's like the northwest side, that, kind of. I'll tell you later. Okay. <laughs> I thought you kind of came from a rough neighborhood, Tom. That's was what it was. <laughs> but you were the biggest, was. baddest bully of them all. No, I was no? not a bully. No. Sal was. Dominic. <laughs> no. One of your buddies. No. No, they weren't. Okay. All right. I didn't know them then. No? No. Uh-uh. You got all those good friends later in life. So, 
Uh, Ron, I was going to ask you about bass. Being as you fish all over the country, do you notice a difference, like, for bass, south, north, whatever, as far as lure preferences or techniques? Or is it drastically different? It does change, yeah. It does look quite a bit. I mean, a bass is a bass, and obviously a lot of the same lures you're going to use on one part of the country will work in other parts. And I think we all get kind of caught up in the latest and greatest, but a lot of the old tried right. and trues work as well. But um, I do notice when you go down uh, south, Particularly, for example, like a place like Florida where they have more of a tannic dark water. A lot right. of the black and blues and June bugs and uh, colors like that are, are always staple colors. Um, black and bl- blue? Black with blue flake. Black and blue is always a hot color and okay. June bugs because of the water uh, color. What color is June bug? It's like a deep purple with a little bit of a blue fleck in it. Yeah. Like okay. a gre- greenish or blue fleck in it. Well, I think it has green and blue. Yeah. It's a purplish one with green and blue fleck. Yeah, and you know the other thing is you go south. You know when I when I was in Florida in January, you know to them deep water is ten feet. I, I was <laughs> I, you're on a twenty thousand acre lake, and all you see from the minute you put your boat in the water is nothing but Kissimmee grass, hydrilla, and um, you know buggy whips, all kinds of stuff. It's mm-hmm. it's your electronics are useless other than for navigation. So. The only way you learn that is by just picking it apart or having knowledge, which comes after years. But uh, the water is really dirty, uh, dark. It's clean, but you can't see two feet down. And the bass are very dark from the top down. They're more black. But uh, Florida fishing is a is a. Is, I think it's sometimes overrated. You know, we all hear about how great Okeechobee is. Right. Uh, I think at certain times of the year, especially in the spring, Okeechobee is always. Uh, you know, they're pulling off horses it's... either. But I, I heard from some of the locals <laughs> that even they say. You know, other than certain times of the year, it it can be a dog to try to fish down there. When right. Well, it's so big. Yeah. When you're when you're fishing around the country, you you probably realize. I mean, you 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 know that bass like weeds, right? So, but in different parts of the country, there's different weeds. So different, but, yeah, different weeds. But they still, you know, hold fish, right? They yeah, still hold every, the bass. Everything's just based like, upon water yeah. color, temperature, yeah. clarity. What what do the fish yeah. in that particular body water? Uh, you know, what do they use for cover? What is the bait yeah. fish? And and, and there's logs all over the country that they might be by or brush. There's points all over the country. There's rocks or gravel. You know, yeah. so it's stuff that you're used to it's just maybe a little different someplace else but it's basically the same right yeah it is but you know every single lake even in arizona i can have a chain of three lakes that are all connected by a river system Mm -hmm. one lake i can go right above that dam to the very next lake it please it can fish completely different i always tell people that every lake has its own culture within it you know a Mm -hmm. bass is a bass but a bass is only going to adapt to its own environment Right. So, um, you know, when I go to a lake, just because, you know, you you understand bass, you know, most bass professionals have the ability to be able to unlock the key or figure out the puzzle better than others. And even then, you know, uh, as you and I were talking during break, you know, you can read, watch all the television shows, read all the books. <laughs> and based upon this water temperature, this clarity, this time of year, this is the color of bait. This is what I should be using, whether it's, a you know, for example, a summer, mid of summer. Yeah, they should be hitting frogs or they should be using a worm or they should be chasing a jerk bait. And, you know, you're on a point uh, and, and, for example, spring, you know, these fish are going to stage on these points and, you know, flats before they move up. And uh, fish don't read those books. And sometimes you scratch your head because you can see them on your graph. They're there. And Mother Nature and bass have different ideas. So. Never try to outthink a, a fish. It's hard. It's so hard. But it, <laughs> yeah. it's one of the toughest yeah. sports to say consistent yeah. of. It's not like a you know, a golf course where it's just you and your ability because you right. have that other X factor on the other end that doesn't always want to cooperate. You know, it, it, it's always moving, always changing. And, and, and like so many factors. And, you know, and like you said during the break when we were talking outside, 
nobody knows everything because we're always learning, always mm, learning yeah. new things, you know, all, all the time learning. That's it, why it's uh, the fishing most humbling. is humbling. Yeah, yeah, fishing is a humbling sport, but it's, it's a lifetime sport because, like I said, you're always learning. You always. Know, always. Yeah, I, I, I'll tell you this one story one time about uh, I was going to, I had a, a camera crew to do a TV show on a Thursday, okay? And I was out at ne- Nagawick, and I was checking a couple of different lakes. And I met Nagawick. I'm, I, I'm on the, was it the West Shore, just north of St. John's Bay, if you know where that is. Okay. And there were, you know, decent bass, uh, you know, the, the two, three pounders. They were all, you could, you know, it, the water was only like three feet deep, pretty clear, standing in front of the boat. There's one cast over there. Boom, he's got it. You know, bring it in, unhook it. Oh, there's one cast. Over. I mean, they were all over. So I stopped fishing. And I knew where I was going to go. The very next day, I'm out there with the camera crew, go to this. It's the same time of day, basically the same conditions, right? Everything seemed to be the same except one thing. Those stupid bass would not bite. They, they, the lure would be coming at them in the air, and they start swimming away. Yeah. I mean, they would not. T- I could catch all the little 8- and 10-inch bass I wanted, but those bigger fish, I could how, see them all, but they just wouldn't touch. And I was how, trying everything. How you about know, when those smallies shut say, off on us on Rowley's Bay last yeah, year yeah, and drove yeah. us crazy? Yeah, you see them walking. You know, yeah, that's you the see them, thing. but they won't. It was yeah. like a light yeah. switch. Yeah. They're Isn't hammering something? Ba- hammering every- and then they're just like, done. Yeah. And, and it's so hard in a tournament when you prep mm-hmm. and you practice and you have an experience like you just had, Tom. Yeah. How do you not go back the next day and try that? But the guys that are the most successful mm-hmm. are the guys that can recognize, shake that off, and just basically adjust with what the fish are doing. It's, it means right. You can go to a different part of the lake, it. a different structure area, yeah. and they'll be it's, doing something different. And yeah. it's hard to do because you know you keep thinking in the back of your head, I got them this way yesterday, they were biting this way the yeah, last week. Yeah. It's going to turn on, and I don't want to miss yeah. it, so well, you stick well, it out. You know, it's all well, about well, decisions. Well, you know what I did that day? I was going to do a bass show. I ended up doing a show. I can't remember if it was, it was either on pike or on panfish. Oh, I, wow. I did something differently. Yeah. You know? Well, so, I think what you say, yeah. uh, musky tournaments in particular, you a lot of times see someone come to, say, like a popular lake like Pewaukee, which everybody fishes. There's a bunch of guides. You got 70 boats out there, and then one guy from out of town catches a fish. It's in a part of the lake doing something completely oddball. I think it's because all of the locals are so used to doing their regular spots, the regular thing that always, you know, normally works, and somebody comes in and doesn't know any better and just does something different somewhere, and they get the fish. That happens often. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes pressure affects them. Sometimes, like you said, throwing something different than the fish aren't seeing all the time. It's that new. That's why a lot of guys like that new latest lure that comes out. It gives them something new than fresh they haven't seen before. Right. I got about- a que- Oh, I got a question for you, Ron. Yeah. Do you miss Wisconsin? Uh, I do in the summer. Well, that's why I'm here off and on throughout the summers. Yeah. Um, no, I absolutely think I live in one of the most beautiful places on the whole United States. I have the ability to travel around the country. Uh, you can't beat the Arizona weather. People do say in the summer it's hot. I'm not going to argue that point. It is absolutely uh But you have air conditioning. You got air conditioning. <laughs> no snow. Fish yeah. year-round out of a boat, not out in a bucket of ice. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Favorite right. bait make fish attraction. Oh, yeah. We were going to do what that. What flavor? I mean, classic they so bass. many. I'm a bass guy. They all work, but, man, the classic bass is by far the best. And I have guys ask me, you know, do you believe in it? I think it's the silliest question coming from an angler when you know how much fish respond to uh, And especially and since smell. you use it all the time, you have confidence in it. Classic bass. Yeah. How about that yeah. crawfish? It's, I would think that cheap, would work for yeah, the they're smallies. The, they're the cheapest. I mean, the it's the the cheapest addition you can add to any bait that will increase your cash ratios and bites. Mm-hmm. Well, I've learned from those chompers that you use the garlic, uh, those salt. Uh, I mean, 
they smell like garlic like crazy, but those bass grab them and suck them in and, and hold on, in. man. But you know, I have found that some yeah, I, think, I, think, I have confidence in it. I think the garlic helps, but I've caught them on without the garlic. Give too. me give me one <laughs> negative that comes off of spraying a, a, a live attractant onto a bait. Exactly. Give me that. Uh, you know, no negative. That yep. No negative. Awesome, and like awesome. you said, it kind of helps take the human scent off too. Yeah. Does it all, man? Hey, yeah. Ron. To catch more fish. Ron, thanks for coming in thanks today. Thanks for having me, if guys. People want to contact you or go what? what RonJohnsonFishing.com or RJFishing.com. All right. right. They'll tie right back to me. That's all I got. All right. Well, we got. A, I got a lot more, but hey, time's run out. I wish, you, I wish we had more time with you, Ron. We'll do it another day, guys. Thanks Alrighty. for having me. To all the listeners, thanks for listening. And God bless and stay free, everyone. You've been listening to the Midwestern Shooter Supply Cutting Edge Outdoors. Talk to you all next week, my friends. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.